I want to give a huge thanks to everyone who gets here every morning and, and volunteers. Like Devin said, we're incre- increasing our uh, volunteer capacity. So if you guys could give them a hand, they welcome you. They cook coffee for you, all that kind of stuff. And I just want to say, especially this morning, we got here and the rehearsal was going well. Everything was going good. And then our sound system just goes ballistic. Um, and so everybody was scrambling. Our sound people just did a phenomenal job of getting us up in, in some type of working order. And that's why I'm on a handheld mic. And I just got to say, every time I'm on a handheld mic, I don't know... Um, I don't know your handheld mic experience, but every time I'm on a handheld mic, I feel like B-Rabbit in 8 Mile, you know? Lionel, that shirt don't fit. Anyways, um, I just got to say that because I feel like, you know, if I could drop, and by the way, the reason I said, you know, B-Rabbit in 8 Mile is just because I'm white and he's the only guy who's white who raps who's any good. Um, so we'll, we'll debate that later. On to the sermon. Um, Hey, we're going to be in the, in, the, in the book of Psalms this morning. Uh, we've been going through the book of Psalms pretty much all summer long. We're going to be in Psalm chapter 122. Um, now, a couple of things as, as, as we hop in this morning. Uh, the great thing about the Psalms that we've talked about every week is that the Psalms deal with the human condition. They deal with what you go through and what I go through. With. Pretty much every uh, time David writes, the interesting thing about the Psalms is the Psalms is one of the few places in the Old Testament that records the emotion behind the history. So most of the time when you read through the Bible, you know, you read something in Kings, and this group just like destroys this other group. They just kill them. And it's like, it's like they just, you know, won at like a game of like Madden or something like that. I mean, it's just kind of like, okay, yeah, and then they won and they won and they, they beheaded all their people. It's like, that's... That's weird, that's crazy, that's gross, that's, a, that, that, that's an emotional thing. And what happens in the book of Psalms is that it records a lot of David's emotion behind these incredible events that happen, behind all of the worship that happened. And it records really what you feel and what I feel on a daily basis. And so the psalmist in Psalm chapter 122 is writing to something that's interestingly enough is something that maybe you're going through or maybe you're not going through but you ought to be going through. Because from time to time when we read through and we kind of set out at the beginning of the summer that we're just going to read through this long, you know, chapters and all these verses and, you know, week one we're going to go chapters one through ten and week two, you know, eleven through twenty and so on and so forth. Every once in a while we hit a psalm that just is smack dab in the middle of what we are going through. And here's kind of the point of today's sermon. Our city currently, our city currently does not have peace. Our city currently does not have peace. I don't know if, if you know what's going on, if you're you know, with the news or if you're just you know, kind of on, on some other social media stuff, but in case you don't know what's going on, there's incredible violence that's happening in our city right now. There's incredible tragedy that's happening in our city right now. There's, there's shootings that are happening constantly. I don't know if you guys know about this. A couple of days back, there was 11 people robbed in six hours at gunpoint. Many of them by the same person. Just from somebody going back and forth and back and forth. There were, there were multiple double homicides within the last month or so in our city. There's people getting shot, people getting arrested, and some people not finding people. On top of that, you know, we go to the to the HOPE program, and you see these kids that oftentimes, if it wasn't for the HOPE program, wouldn't have that after-school program, wouldn't have that daily enrichment, wouldn't have sometimes something to eat. In fact, I was reading an article, and some of you guys might have read it from the Tallahassee Democrat. I want to read to you the beginning of the article 
This is how our, uh, our police chief summarized what's happening right now. This is the beginning of the article. It says, tonight, tonight, somewhere in Tallahassee, children will be put to bed on the floor of their homes. Not because they don't have beds to sleep in, but because their parents are afraid if they do, they'll be struck by a stray bullet. Police Chief Michael DeLeo thinks about the reality after nights like that last weekend. When the city saw three shootings in the last two hours, or in less than two hours, leaving a 19-year-old dead. His quote is, it's frustrating, it's scary. He said in an interview last week about the city's gun violence and plans to address it. He said, no parent should have to live in that kind of fear. And if that doesn't resonate with you as a human being, I don't know how to reach people to say we have an issue that we have to do better about. Now what's interesting is from time to time you read through the Psalms, you read through what David's going through. And David does something that honestly... I think that we neglect so bad as a church. David says something, and he launches into, honestly, a biblical narrative that comes out throughout the scriptures. That, let me just project onto you for a second. Honestly, I'm terribly guilty of. I am terribly guilty of. This is not one of those sermons where the pastor gets up and he says a bunch of stuff because he does so phenomenally well at it and he speaks in this place of authority and this place of I've been doing this for years and so you should do it. This is the type of sermon that I give that I look at and say, honestly, I look at our city and I look at what the Bible says and I am in sin because I'm missing something. I've done stuff wrong. And so I don't know if you're in the same position that I am this morning. But I just want to spend a little bit of time going through what David talks about in Psalm chapter 122. And then come to some conclusions about some errors that I know I've had, and perhaps you've had as well. So in Psalm 1 chapter, 20, chapter 122, David begins, and he's, the, the, the thing is named, Let us go to the house of the Lord, a song of a sense of David. And let me kind of give you a brief overview. David's going to talk about going to the house of the Lord. He's going to talk about going basically to their big place of worship, their big place where they would go. And their main place of worship was in the city of Jerusalem. And different people from the nation of Israel, the nation of Israel, if you're not super familiar with the Bible, let me kind of give you a heads up. The nation of Israel was God's chosen people. It was God's chosen people group. And what would happen is different people groups at different times, different tribes would go and they would worship God in Jerusalem at the one place, the main place of worship. And as they're at the one main place of worship, David says something about their city that I think is incredibly intuitive. So let me kind of take you there together. He said, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet have been standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. So he was saying, basically saying, hey, I was glad when everybody said, hey, let's go to church this morning. That, you know, maybe that's you, maybe that's not you. Maybe that's a really weird thing because of the church you grew up in, like nobody's excited. Everybody secretly can't wait till they get out because, you know, I'm trying to go get something to eat afterwards. And Pastor, if you could hurry up, this is getting a little bit redundant. So if you could go ahead and hurry up. But David, at his point in life and with his friend group, they were excited about going to worship God. And it says that their feet have been standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. So they're currently standing in the city of Jerusalem. He says, let me describe Jerusalem for a second, verse 3. Jerusalem, built as a city that is bound firmly together, to which the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, as was decreed for Israel. To give thanks to the name of the Lord, the thrones for judgment were set. The thrones of the house of David. So he's saying, okay, so we're about to go up and we're about to worship. We're about to go up and we're about to meet with God. And as we're about to go up and we're about to meet with God, we're in this city that God has given us, that God has planted us in, that for them was the center of their worship, was the center of their being. 
in the spiritual sense, was where God had called them to worship. And so as they're in this city of Jerusalem, as they're about to go up to worship, David notes this in verse 6. He says, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they be secure who love you. Peace be within your walls and security within your towers. For my brothers and companions' sake, I will say peace be within you. For the sake of the house of the Lord, our God, I will seek your good. Now, here's the, here's the guilty part for me. If I'm being really honest, I oftentimes, more so, I seldomly pray for the peace of our city. I seldomly pray for the peace of our city. I spend a lot of time praying when I pray, praying for the things that I need. I spend a lot of time along the, you know, I don't know what your prayer life is like, but my prayer life spends a lot of time praying for the things that I know that are coming up. You know, God, I got this thing coming up. God, I got this job interview coming up. God, I got this issue coming up. God, you know, we got to pay rent. I don't know how we're going to pay rent. God, I don't know how you're going to work out this relationship. God, I'm really frustrated by this thing. God, I got this, you know, cousin. I got this, you know, brother, this sister, this mom, this dad, this in-law, this friend. It's just, they're super annoying. Some of you, you know, you're a Christian. And when you pray, you know, you pray for your friend's salvation, which is a phenomenal thing. You pray, God, you know, I, you know, I got this friend, Janet, Susie, Billy, Bobby, whoever it is, you know. And God, I just pray that they would come to know you. And then, you know, you know how your prayers go because I'm, well, let me, let me just project on you because I've heard some of you guys pray. And so, you know, you kind of pray and you have redundant prayers. You think maybe if you repeat it in like different words four times and God's going to be like, oh, I didn't get the first three, but that fourth one just clarified the whole thing, you know. God, I pray that they would come to know you, that their salvation would be good. God, I pray that they would, they would you're like trying to make up words that like their salvific experience would come to enlightenment within your tribes, oh Lord, you know. And then you start calling on, and God, I got to call on the angel Mark, you know, the archangel Michael, you know, you're just like, what are you doing, weirdo? And you just kind of start keeping to praying and praying and praying. You think, you know, you're going to get more spiritual, and, and you go on and on, you pray, and it's good stuff, and you honestly, honestly, you should continue to pray for your friends. You should continue to pray for your family. For those of you who are Christians, who God's placed someone on your heart that you would desperately want them to come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior, man, you should absolutely pray for them, absolutely. But let me just kind of give you a guilty reality for me. Seldomly in my prayer life do I ever stop and say, God, I pray for this city. God, I pray overall for this city. God, we live in a city that is broken, which you know. God, we live in a city that is hurting, which you know. God, we live in a city that has an entire group, an entire huge population that our mothers living below the poverty line trying to raise young boys and young girls. We live in a city where violence, gun violence, has gotten so bad that the leadership of our city has gone to Chicago to try to learn how they've started to help their gun violence. Freaking Chicago. I don't know if you guys know the nickname for Chicago. 
They call it Chirac. That's how bad it had gotten. And on a smaller scale, just because we have less people, our city goes up there. And honestly, honestly, it's terrible. As a Christian, how often, let me just be honest, how often do you pray for our city? How often do you pray for the leaders in our city? You see, about, I don't know, a couple months back, I got an opportunity. It was a really cool opportunity. My, my, my buddy Colin, beautiful man, he's here this morning. He works in the governor's office, and he called me and said, you know, will you come pray for the governor? He actually gave me a picture of it this morning. We'll show it later. I'll put it on Facebook. It's not a big deal. It's just me and the gov hanging out. But so I go into the governor, you know, and, and this whole thing, and I'm sitting there wearing a suit. I'm like, oh, my gosh, what am I? You know, you're just you're kind of self-conscious. And, I'm, I'm, and you can watch the other ones online. You see these pastors, and they just get these, like, phenomenal prayers. Like, oh, Heavenly Father, our God, we call down. I'm just like. And I'm used to speaking in jeans and like a t-shirt. Like I'm like B-League for all these people. These are like some of the tops or the heads of the states, you know, in our government. And so they have this, you know, cabinet meeting. And I walk in and, you know, I'm feeling like a scrub. Like I'm faking it till I'm making it. And then, you know, they call me up. They say, you know, then the pastor of downtown community church, will you come, you know, open us up in prayer? So I step up to the microphone. It's on TV, by the way, which it's not like a cool TV. It's like that channel that literally no one ever watches. And you click through it, and you're like, why in the world do people have this on here? And, it's, and this is why. So people like me, when I pray, can feel important, all right? So, you know, I step up, and I start praying for the governor who's, you know, sitting right there, which is a little bit, you know, a little bit odd, and praying for the, you know, the council in general, and, 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 you, and you're praying. And the whole time I'm having this thought, I never pray for you guys. <laughs> I don't know why that's funny. <laughs> But not in like a way, not in like a, not in, obviously, not in like any kind of like a politically, you know, driven way, but just, just honestly. Praying for our leaders, praying for peace, praying for the peace and the welfare and the well-being of the city is not a constant part of my life. And a lot of times we can look to other people for answers. We can look to other stuff for answers. But if the people of God aren't first praying, then what other answer is going to work? If the people of God aren't first going on their knees and saying, God, we need you. God, we need you. God, we need you. You see, this is the theme that's common throughout Scripture of people seeking the peace of the city, of people praying for peace in their city. In Jeremiah, some of you guys know about this one. Jeremiah chapter 29 after what happened with David, David prayed all that kind of stuff. The nation of Israel kind of took a left turn. They just did some stuff wrong, and eventually they got caught in this exile. Well, this one particular exile, they got exiled all over the world as the Babylonian exile. And so Jeremiah writes what the people of God ought to do because they used to all live in Jerusalem. They used to all worship in Jerusalem, at the temple in Jerusalem. And now they're all over the world. And if you were a good Jewish boy or you were a good Jewish girl, then the only way, the only real way for you to be a really good Jewish boy or Jewish girl was to constantly go to temple. Well, now they couldn't go to temple anymore. So what's a good Jewish boy or what's a good Jewish girl supposed to do? And so the prophet Jeremiah prophesies this. God says this to the remnant who are all in exile all over the Babylonian Empire. And this is what he says. 
Thus says the Lord of God, chapter 29, verse 4, Jeremiah. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles who I'm sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. So this is what I want you to do, verse 5. Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may be sons and daughters. Bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. And in verse 7, he gives kind of the overall summarization. He says, but seek the welfare of this city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare, you will find your welfare. Now what's interesting is the Hebrew for that is this word shalom, which means peace, well-being. So he says, okay, so here's what I want you to do. Nation of Israel, you can't worship in the same way that you used to. You can't, you know, go to temple in the same way that you used to. You can't offer offerings and sacrifices in the same way that you used to. So this is how I want you to worship me for the time being while you're in exile. Because, by the way, I've sent you into exile. And in a little bit, he's going to say, I'm going to deliver you from exile. I know the plans I have for you, declare the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. But before we get to the prosper, not harming part, let me tell you what you ought to do when you realize that you're in a city that's in some trouble and you're not exactly sure what to do and what a Christian ought to do. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to pray. And I want you to seek the shalom. I want you to seek the peace of this city. And I want you to pray for the city. Because in the peace of the city, he says, you'll find your peace. When Paul writes to Timothy, he piggybacks on this whole idea of praying for leadership, of praying for the city. And that as you pray for the city, as you pray for peace, you'll find your peace. He says this in chapter 2, verse 1. He said, first off all then, first of all then I urge you that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made to all, for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life godly and dignified in every way. And this is good and is pleasing to the sight of God, our Savior. So he says, here's, here's what I want you to know. That I want you to pray for all your leaders. I want you to pray for all of them. And when you pray for them, here's the reason I want you to pray for them. Because I want you to know that when you pray for them, or I want you to know that by praying for them, or alongside of your prayers, when you pray for them, when peace does happen, it enables you and empowers you to live a godly life. He says, this is good and pleasing in the sight of God our Savior. That we may, plead, may, we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. And if I'm being honest, as I'm praying about this teaching this morning, I don't, know, I, don't, I don't know how you are, but as I'm teaching or as I'm praying, I'm kind of praying and saying, okay, God, so, so just say pray for peace. God, I don't know if you know how we like to do sermons at DCC, but generally speaking, there's more of like, a, so this is what you should go do with this. You know, so this is how you should go live. So this is, you know, this is how you re- should reorder your relationships. This is how you should reorder your finances. This is how you should reorder, you know, your life because currently you're living with that at the center, but you ought to live with Jesus at the center. 
But this morning's message, honestly, is a little bit short, and it's very simple. It's that you ought to pray, and I ought to pray for our city. Because if we're not, now again, this is for those of you who are Christians. If you're a Christian in here, you've given your life to Jesus. You would say at the center of your life isn't a million other things, but at the center of your life is the reality that there is a Savior named Jesus who has died on the cross, forgiving me of all my sins, that I believe that He rose from the dead, and He is now my personal Lord and Savior. He's not the cumulative religion. He's not this religion, this God that we all believe in because my parents believed in Him, my grandparents believed in Him, and my great-granddad was a pastor, and my great-great-granddad was a pastor, and, you know, I live in America, so yeah, sure, I'm a Christian. No, no, no. If you have personally decided that Jesus Christ is your Lord and your Savior, we have no excuse not to pray regularly and seek the peace regularly for our city. And I think on top of praying, there ought to be action. But I think it's too often it's my tendency at least to jump to action without first praying. Jesus was talking one day. And he said, the harvest is plentiful and the workers are few. He was about to send his disciples out to go tell more people about him. To go, when he was going to go to a city, he was going to go and they were going to kind of hype him up. They were going to be his personal hype men. So they were, he was going to go and he was going to say, you know, the Messiah's coming, the Messiah's coming, the Messiah's coming. And this is what Jesus would say as he's just about to send his group out. He said, okay, I want you to know that it's going to be a little bit like, you know, like, you know, sheep and wolves, and you know, there's, there's a lot of danger here, and there's some issues that are going on. But I want you to know, first and foremost, that the harvest is plentiful. The harvest is plentiful. So before you go out to something that you're unqualified for, the harvest is plentiful. Plenty of work to be done, but I want you to know this, the workers are few. To which we would normally think, so come on, let's tell everybody. Let's get all the workers we can involved. Let's go, Jesus says. So pray. So pray. Here's, here's the point this morning. Prayer is an action. And prayer is the first action of Christians' lives. Oftentimes, I think of prayer as a cop-out. But over and over through Scripture, it's the command of God to say, pray, 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 pray. Pray for your city. Seek the peace of your city. Pray for your leaders that you would live that you would be able to live a godly life. Pray for Jerusalem, he would say in Psalm. And I love how he says this because it's not just, hey, we just want to live a good life because that's part of it. He says, for the sake of the house of the Lord our God. In other words, the reason that he's praying for Jerusalem isn't just so everybody can have an easy life. He says, no, 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 because I want people to know God for the sake of God, for the sake of his house, for the sake of his glory is the reason that I'm praying. I'm not just praying to pray. I'm not just praying for my safety and my security. It's because I want people to know God. I want God to be magnified. And because I want God to be magnified, first and foremost, I have to pray. And when you pray... And when I pray, and when we pray 
for the peace of our city, for the peace of our leaders, for the leadership for all over. What happens is, what happens is, it sets us up in a posture to help. You see, one of the foundational verses for our church is in Isaiah. And Isaiah says it this way, he says, and when you pour yourselves out, when you pour yourselves out on behalf of the poor and the needy, your light will shine like the noonday. And it's a beautiful verse. And the imagery behind that is that at the end of the day, what's critical to our church is not lights. What's critical to our church is not sound systems. What's critical to our church, honestly, is not AC, although it's nicer this Sunday, isn't it? What's critical to our church is that we embody the heart of God in pouring ourselves out, and pouring ourselves out on behalf of those who are hurting in our city. And while that's a critically important part that we emphasize over and over and over and over again, if we aren't first in prayer before we pour ourselves out, if we aren't first going to God and praying to Him and seeking Him before we pour ourselves out, then most times, we're pouring ourselves out for our own glorification. So at the end of the day, the idea is, so here's what I want you to go do differently. I want you to go and I want you to serve. Although, you know what? You should serve. I want you to go and I want you to get connected, although you should go and you should get connected. You should participate in Project Tallahassee. We're going to relaunch it in October. Absolutely, you should do it. We're going to relaunch. We're kind of modifying the HOPE program. You should absolutely be a part of that. As a first step for you, if that's a little bit difficult to make, and you want to serve, but you want to serve somewhere here at DCC, you want to be a greeter, you want to be in the kids' ministry, you want to do the coffee bar sound, I mean, come on, you should do that. But you should do that as you and after you pray. So let me ask you this question, because I talked a lot about me today. How's your prayer life? Do you pray for the city? Do you pray for the city? Do you pray for our leadership? Do you pray for peace? And if you don't, why not? Is it because you think prayer is ineffective? Is it because you think prayer is not an action? And here's what I think the opportunity is. What if all of us were dedicated to prayer? What if all of us were dedicated to prayer in our city? What if all of us were dedicated to praying for the peace, praying for the wisdom, praying for the leadership of our city and our state and our country? as, by the way, God commanded us to do. And what if we saw the football start to go down the field? We started to take steps towards peace, to moving the ball down the field to where our city increasingly and increasingly and increasingly became more peaceful. Violence went down. Families stayed together. Moms weren't raising kids in poverty. 
homelessness wasn't as much of an issue. And it wasn't because we all decided to go do something, although we do do things from time to time. What if the primary fire behind all of that was simply prayer? Prayer. So in a second, what we're going to do is we're going to take up communion. We're going to take communion. When we take communion, uh, if you don't know the symbolism behind it, it's a phenomenal thing, and we do it often. Where Jesus sat down with his disciples on the last night before he was going to be crucified. And he took the piece of bread, and he broke it, and he said, this is my body, which is going to be broken for you. And he took the cup, and he filled it with wine, and he said, and this is my blood, which is going to be poured out for you. And he said, whenever you do this, I want you to do this in remembrance of me. And so as Christians, when we take communion, the idea behind communion is that we do it in remembrance that God gave everything for us. That he went first before us. That his body was broken. His blood was shed. All for the forgiveness of our sins who honestly didn't deserve it. We didn't warrant it, but he gave it anyways. And so here's what I want you to do. When you come up and when you take communion, and by the way, you know, kind of big umbrella behind this, is that we especially want you to take communion, but only take communion if you're a Christian. And if you're not a Christian, it's not some kind of like a weird thing. If you're just kind of still on the fence about Christianity, I mean, that's, that's fine. And we hope you continue to come back week after week after week after week and just learn more until you're comfortable with the decision. But only if you're a Christian because that is you saying, I am partaking in this. God, in the same way that you were broken and that you gave everything for me, in, re- in realization of that, I'm going to give everything back to you. And in that vein of giving everything back to God, I would love it if while the band came, comes up and they play one more song, it wasn't a spirit of singing, it wasn't a spirit of doing, it was just a spirit of prayer, of praying for our city, of praying that God, you gave everything for us, and we can at least spend time going before you, for our brothers and sisters all across our city, who live very, very, very unpeaceful lives. In fact, maybe some of you are the recipient of that right now. Maybe your neighborhood has been affected. Maybe your apartment complex has been affected. Maybe one of your friends has been affected. And you know it personally. Come on. How powerful would a group this size honestly and earnestly every day going to God in prayer for our city? I think the change would be dramatic. So as you come up and you take communion, as you break off the bread, you dip it in the cup, as you realize and come to the the, the thought process of God giving everything for you and you giving everything back for Him, when you go to your seats, I just want there to be an attitude of prayer, of praying. And I hope that this doesn't just end today, that tomorrow when you wake up, you pray. And Tuesday when you pray, wake up, you pray. And a month from now, you pray. And as much as we want to do good for our city, as much as we want to serve our city, as much as we want to love our city, as much as we want to hope 
and give hope for the homeless, for the hopeless, for the single moms, for the, for the children who are being raised in this cyclical patterns of violence and abuse. As much as we want to do, I pray that our church would be motivated to pray even more. So let's pray.